Although it wasn't discussed at the recent NHL Board of Governors meeting in Florida, multiple media reports surfaced that the GMs will look into a proposal of adding two games to the NHL regular season to make it 84 instead of 82 when they meet. Part of the discussion is that the divisions under the current schedule play three or four against division rivals, and an 84-game schedule would add to the division rivalries because it would guarantee divisional rivals played four times, three versus a division in the same conference, two versus the other conference based on the proposal. As we begin the podcast, and Dallas and Winnipeg sit one and two in the division battling for the Central Division title, a point apart. That only three games played is something to note. Dallas and Winnipeg met three times this year. Winnipeg went 2-0-1, and Dallas won 1-1 in the head-to-head because of the overtime. The teams vying at present for the division crown don't play again all this regular season. In fact, it's November 25th of a season that started, of course, in mid-October. That was the final game, the third one, between Dallas and Winnipeg. That's four full months of NHL scheduling, plus near to half of April, that was left to play after the teams lost head-to-head, where they won't meet. It's bad scheduling to be sure, and a four-game set might not prevent it. But the NHL might want to pair division games to a first 42 pair and two in the final 42, just in case, like this year, the two front runners in the division will be able to have a key matchup in the second half of the season because, well, simple answer, that would be good for business. Fact is, teams would all add a home date if the NHL does this. Add two games per team to the schedule, and that increases revenue. It's so logical, it's only a wonder why when Seattle was added as the 32nd NHL team, they didn't do it then. In fairness, the season out of the pandemic started later, and they're still trying to get it back to its usual timeline for a NHL season start and end. But it does make sense now that they've caught up, and they might remove a preseason game per team to accommodate this longer schedule. And to that, I say, good riddance. Had Dallas and Winnipeg had four games against each other this year, there was the potential in the second half to see them play off against each other. And this year, that won't. And it's another example of bad scheduling by the NHL, Another side note, the NHL did have an 84-game schedule in two years, the 92-93 and 93-94 seasons. But after the 48-game 95-96 lockout season is when the NHL went to the 82-game format. That was only not during the shutdown of 2019-20 because of the pandemic and the subsequent 56 games played interdivision only play in 2020-21. I don't Janot about you, in honor of Nashville's number 84 wearing Tanner Janot, but I'm definitely wanting the NHL to adopt this scheduled proposal as soon as possible. Well, 
Welcome to Central Division Hockey, the podcast. I'm your NHL outsider and Central Division expert, Tim Bigelow. We keep the division pairings, the podcast run time and ability as games get played divisionally nightly. It keeps a hockey flow of me allowing to, with my spare time, still keep it as current as it is next to impossible to do. The full value, a full podcast would be to take the four part pairings and play them by the division standings order. As Monday night's NHL games begin, Dallas is up one point on Winnipeg and one fewer game played to be atop the Central Division standings. And while we keep to the division pairings, the Central Division team putting together a five-game win streak is now third place Minnesota. And while I have marveled at Dallas's adding offense and their great goaltending, here's one other really big key to Dallas' success, simply staying healthy. Of notables who haven't played in every game, it's Miro Haskin and missing three games paid with the most, and Rope Hintz missing one. Starting goalie Jake Oninger missed a few games played as well. However, it's not to the extent of the other division teams and what they've gone through in stretches, Colorado and Winnipeg especially missing multiple key regulars, but Minnesota did have a stretch early in the year too. Dallas's ability to stay healthy should be at least acknowledged as part of the team's success. The reason I thought of it was a Dallas fan had a stat over the weekend on Twitter listing the stars top in the division at the NHL the Texas AHL affiliate first, and the East Coast Hockey League team was divisionally first too. If the Colorado, Winnipeg, and Minnesota teams didn't have AHL players playing as injury replacements, and to a large degree, it's happened across the league, well, that does trickle down to the performance of the affiliate teams who then require call-ups for the call-ups. The organizational team health affects the whole chain. That's a great organizational moment for Dallas. I don't want to take that away from them, but it is because of the lack of injuries and how it benefits the whole organization as a key to it happening. The primary game recap is always put win or lose with the division team with the better record unless otherwise indicated. The top pairing is Dallas and Winnipeg, and we start with the Stars. Dallas went 2-1-1 since our last podcast to be 18-8-6, 42 points, first in the Central Division. In 32 games played, a 6.56 point percentage. That is .0005 less than Winnipeg, who are, as I mentioned, a point back in one fewer game played. Dallas has the most games played going into Monday's action in the division. However, every division team only has up to three fewer games played at most. It takes Dallas forward Rope Hintz 19 seconds to go five hole to open the scoring in Pittsburgh. It would be Dallas's lone goal. After Dallas couldn't convert on a power play, Pittsburgh get a power play goal on the second of three Dallas penalties in a row. Tied at one after one. A scoreless second. The game looks headed for OT, but Pittsburgh with 35 seconds left in regulation are able to net the game-winning goal to win 2-1 at home over Dallas. Dallas and New Jersey play a scoreless first. Dallas playing the second game on a back-to-back, and likewise, New Jersey had to too. Ty Delandria opens the scoring for Dallas in the second. Minute 52 seconds after New Jersey tie it. Three seconds left in the middle frame. Dallas's Rope Hint scores on a rebound off a point shot off the post and makes it 2-1 Dallas through 40. Two empty net goals for Dallas, Essel Wendell and Mason Marchman close out the third as Dallas win on the road 4-1. to 
Dallas and Washington remained scoreless through 20. 37 seconds to the game's midpoint in the middle frame. Washington opened the scoring with the lone goal of the second. Dallas's Jamie Benz, 12th of the year at the time on the power play, 48 seconds into the third on a penalty carried over from the second, ties the game, and two minutes, 41 seconds after, Dallas defenseman Colin Miller's point shot off a Washington player on route to the net ends up as the game-winning goal. Dallas goalie Jake Oninger, one goal against 45 saves as Dallas take a 2-1 win in Washington. Carolina opened scoring 6-20 in on a power play in the first. As Carolina kills off a penalty, they add another with 2.58 left in the first. Dallas get another power play, and Joe Pavelski's net front tip with 1.22 to go cuts Carolina's lead to 2-1 to after 20. Both teams get power play goals in the middle frame. Dallas's Jamie Benz high slot tip, and Carolina on a 5-on-3 advantage. 3-2 Carolina through 40. 2.44 into the third, Carolina's score 55 seconds to the third's midpoint dallas's tyler sagan's tip goal on a point shot off a draw won by tyler sagan and it's yanni hakamah tying it for dallas a minute 42 seconds later to force overtime carolina get the ot home win 5-4 219 into the three-on-three play over dallas dallas's lone loss in the games covered was to pittsburgh they were 13-2-2 the Pens were with the win over their last 17. It was a one-goal game, nearly in overtime. Dallas does beat New Jersey and Washington and only get a point versus Carolina, who in winning have won their last five games played. This is quality competition, that's the point, and Dallas picked up a possible five of eight points. The third period comeback to get the Carolina game to OT was a valuable one, especially considering that point represents the division point lead over Winnipeg. The Dallas record was over 500 against going into Mondays, teams that point percentage would combine to be 652.5 point percentage for the four teams Dallas just played. Dallas has 13 more goals for than Winnipeg, second in the division in goals for Winnipeg is. And Winnipeg, with that one game in hand, isn't putting up a Solani. They're not scoring 13 in a single game. Dallas, at plus 26 goal differential, is something they also lead in the division in that key metric. It's also, as I said, since season start, the top line performing while getting secondary scoring through the lineup. Given the level of competition, and we have had the false narrative that the Eastern Conference is better already this year, Dallas on the road performed well against quality East team competition in their respective barns with a winning record, and again, while having both a winning and home record this year, Dallas is still actually a better home team. Staying sharp versus what will now be considered lesser competition going into the break, and finishing with what should be a three-game win streak is the expectation for Dallas. If Dallas looks after their business, they will, no matter what Winnipeg playing the same number of games till the break does, stay atop the Central Division at the break. Edmonton is the only team with a 547 point percentage going into Monday's games that is over 500 point percentage that Dallas plays over the next three. 
Dallas division head-to-head record is 6-2-3. Dallas finishes a five-game home trip of Eastern Conference teams Monday tonight at Columbus. Dallas has two home games before the Christmas break versus Edmonton and Montreal. Winnipeg falls back a point to Dallas by going 2-2-0 since our last podcast to be 20-10-1, 41 points, second in the Central Division with a division-best 661 point percentage with one game in hand on Dallas. Like last podcast, the losses bookend Winnipeg's games played. Keeping pace with Dallas is one thing, but in the same games played, Minnesota is now three points back of Winnipeg. Winnipeg's Josh Morrissey's point shot goes off Mark Shifley to open scoring 36 seconds into the first midpoint. Vegas tie it two minutes, eight seconds after, and Winnipeg-born Vegas Mark Stone puts Vegas up 2-1 after one with two seconds left in the opening 20. Back half of the second, Winnipeg bookend goals with a Vegas goal in between. Winnipeg gets goals from Morgan Barron and Sam Gagne net front tip for a three all game three. Two. Winnipeg Shifley, second of the game, a one-timer on the power play carried over from the second. Vegas gets two power play goals after, the latter to take the lead with 2.16 left in regulation, and then they add an empty net goal. Winnipeg Shifley, with two seconds left in the game, completes his hat trick for his team-leading 18th, but Winnipeg fall at home 6-5 to to Vegas. Nashville's Philip Forsberg scores on a one-timer 56 seconds into the first midpoint on their first shot on goal. Four on four with Winnipeg buzzing, it's Dylan DeMello lunging as he falls at the top of the crease to get his first goal of the year and his first goal in 87 games played dating back to last season. Nashville's Tanner Janos hit to Winnipeg defenseman Nate Schmidt had him leave the game and he's now reported injured. Winnipeg's Adam Lowry lets Morgan Barron take a neutral zone faceoff to square up with Janot, who obliges for a spirited tilt, 1-0 after 1. Scoreless through the last 40 of regulation, the goalies, Nashville's UC Searles, with 39 saves especially, but Winnipeg goalie Connor Halbeck's 25 saves, one goal against, were both stellar. Searles' second goal against comes in overtime as Winnipeg's Kyle Connor gets it through Juice, 5-hole, and it trickles across the goal line for a Winnipeg 2-1 division overtime home win over Nashville. Winnipeg's Kyle Connor's power play goal, 251 in, puts the Jets up 1-0 in Vancouver. In the second, it's the D-men with a pair, Kyle Capio-Bianco, his first of the year, and as a Jet, and Neil Pionk make it 3-0 Winnipeg through the middle frame. 56 seconds into the third, the bottom six begin adding on. Winnipeg Sam Gagne off the rush, short side roof, and a second before the eight-minute mark of the third, Alex Janssen-Fielby scores off the rush on a bad Vancouver line change. A Vancouver power play goal ends Winnipeg goalie Connor Hellbuck's one goal against 22 saves shutout bid. Winnipeg takes a 5-1 road win. Winnipeg opens scoring on Mark Scheifele's team-leading 19th goal, a power play net front tip a minute 34 seconds to the midpoint of the first and take a 1-0 lead after 20 in Seattle on the back half of back-to-backs. It's a minute 17 into the game's midpoint Seattle score, but Winnipeg's Pierre-Luc Dubois' net front rebound power play goal, two seconds shy of four minutes after, restores Winnipeg's lead, 2-1 through 40. 16 seconds into the third, Seattle get a net front tip, and with 4.32 left, Seattle beat Winnipeg goalie David Riddick short side roof for a 3-2 home win over Winnipeg. 
not that top six forward Nick Ehlers and top nine who can play top six Mason Appleton remain out alone Winnipeg lost forward Blake Wheeler after the Nashville game he did return in the game he's now on IR and left-hand defenseman playing right-hand D Nate Schmidt they lost in that game because of the Geno hit the D insertion of Kyle Capiobianco and his first as a jet is adequate injury replacement the forward group in Winnipeg is all sorts of short reminiscent of what Colorado has had to deal with by the weekend back-to-back set it's asking a lot of bubble NHLers and AHL organizational depth to step up I had last podcast before the added injuries wondered if backup goalie david riddick should play versus vancouver and starter hellebuck versus seattle and you get the sense knowing winnipeg went one one and oh that i should complain winnipeg didn't do what i suggested to collect four points trouble is given the lineup available for the vancouver game playing hellebuck was the right call to ensure winnipeg got a win in that game now in fairness looks like riddick would have been able to get the win but we really only know that after the game's played hellebuck was near perfect and if not for whistles going away for vancouver penalties on winnipeg due to refing to the score in the third not the game being played and yet winnipeg still being called on their infractions likely hellebuck has another shutout added to his year this season Hellebuck's workload in one goal against included 22 saves. The right answer was to play the starter as St. Louis recently in their back-to-back both games. Then maybe you give Riddick the home game versus Ottawa coming up. Now, after the performance, because I think Winnipeg wins in Seattle if Hellebuck was a net, is to play Hellebuck all three remaining because Riddick did play in Seattle taking the loss. And that includes the next back-to-back because it comes right before the Christmas break. Unless Florida tonight win in Boston in regulation, Winnipeg will play a still undefeated in regulation team at home in Boston on Thursday. If not for Hellebuck and Nett, I wouldn't be assured Winnipeg's win against Ottawa at home Tuesday was guaranteed given the lineup they have to put on the ice. But the latter two, even with Winnipeg at full health on the road, and they aren't, and with Hellebuck and Net, are tough tests for this undermanned Winnipeg team. Going 500 to the break might be best case. Winnipeg division head-to-head record 11-2-0. Winnipeg is home to Ottawa Tuesday, tomorrow, then play back-to-back on the road starting in Boston Thursday and Washington Friday to get to the Christmas break. Pacific division comparative top pairing, Vegas and Seattle. Winnipeg fell to both Pacific division teams as we covered in this podcast. Vegas, 45 points in 33 games played, has the conference best 682 point percentage. Arizona and St. Louis divisionally play Vegas before the Christmas break, and although by points LA enters Monday with more points than Seattle, I still consider the two-point back with four games in hand Seattle has, and a 6-17 point percentage as the Pacific Division's second best team at present. St. Louis gets the Winnipeg-Seattle in their next game treatment. By that I mean the second game on a back half of a back-to-back after playing in Vancouver Monday while Seattle just waits 
for them to come play that second game. That wraps part one of the four-part podcast. Up next, Minnesota and Colorado, the second pairing who switched spots in the standings as well, heading into this week. <laughs>